another episode of Ask an Atheist Anything. Uh, I'm your regular co-host Matthew and today I've got a different co-host from usual. I've got uh, Sarah who worked with Andrew and myself on the Still Unbelievable book which we've mentioned a few times. Uh, welcome as a co-host Sarah. Hello to everyone. Hi. And um, we've got as a, as a guest uh, Rebecca who's a blogger on the, the Curious Atheist blog. She used to blog as a uh, uh, the closeted atheist, but is now the curious atheist. So we'll talk about about that change. So uh, welcome, Rebecca, and thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me on. Right. So I invited you on because I've been following your blog since you almost since you first started uh, blogging. I think you'd literally only been going a couple a month or so. If that, when I managed to find your blog through one of the other blogs that I I follow, and I've enjoyed. Your blog. I said earlier that the irregularity of your blogs is one of the things that stands out about it. I think that's a, a, a key feature, I think, of having a successful blog. I have not managed to be a regular blogger, which is probably why and mine doesn't get the traffic that it, it, it did a couple of years ago. Uh, but congratulations on that. And you've got quite a, quite a large number of uh, readers, and it seems to be growing every time I, I check on it. Uh, so congratulations. Can I ask you first then, when you were yeah. blogging as the closet atheist, what was it at the very beginning that uh, made you prompt prompted you into blogging? Well, I uh, it was because I was going to a Christian college. I was going to Grove City College at the time, um, and I didn't know any other atheists, and nobody except for my husband, who was my boyfriend then, nobody knew that I was an atheist. And I would like complain to him about like classes and people at college and about my family and stuff, but I was like, I need to write this or have a bigger way to talk about this or like a long form content instead of just like a diary. So um, I had actually had a class about blogging and we had like a mock one. So I learned WordPress that way and it was really convenient to kind of have a background in it. Um, so I basically just learned, I was getting like Facebook ads for WordPress and they're like, you can have a dot blog domain. And I was like, you know what, I should just start one and have the closet atheist.blog be the name and I can talk about like different experiences I have every week or if I don't have something interesting to talk about then I'll like say my thoughts about something or like a coming out story and then I decided to do every Sunday so I would write on Sundays and then it kind of turned into um, publishing on Sundays so now I have a new post published every Sunday morning at 8 it actually last week wasn't at 8 because I Scheduled it for 8 p.m. instead of 8 a.m., but that was a mistake. <laughs> um, but it's that, always, I'm sure. Yeah, it was just like when you set your alarm wrong. But it's every Sunday morning now, and um, there have been a handful that I have had to put on private um, because people didn't want some of the stuff that I wrote on the Internet, which is fine, so they're private. But I haven't missed a week, even if you are to go back and see that there are some missing. There at least always have has been something written every every Sunday. And how do you find uh, the, um, the the practice of, of doing that and keeping it? Is it difficult to be that regular every week? Because you've said it now, so you're committed to doing it that that often. Well, I it's it's kind of easy just because now it's such a habit that I couldn't do it any other way. But I do have some different weeks. Like sometimes I'll have like three things happen in one week, and then I'll be I'll say, well, now I'm set for like a month because I have things to talk about. Yeah. But I. I'm afraid to, like, if I ever were to post more often, I'm like, well, then I'm going to run out, so I have to kind of keep it slowed down. But then 
there's also weeks when I just don't have anything to talk about. And I think it was easier in the beginning because, you know, there's so many topics to cover. But once you've talked about something like Pascal's wager, like you don't really need to talk about it a second time. So uh, eventually you kind of run out of things to talk about. But um, I've been kind of supplementing with like book reviews because I don't really have like any coming out stories and anything that's happened with my family in the recent year involves the blog. So they're not going to want me to talk about it. So I don't have anything like coming out wise to really talk about. So I kind of fall back on like book reviews or like my thoughts on different things. And sometimes I'll start like a series. So I have something to kind of go back to every week. <clears throat> so that's kind of how I keep up with, with like topic ideas. Yeah, I, I get what you mean about because uh, most of the subjects, the standardized subjects, atheists somewhere have have covered them, and so the most fresh, the most interesting topics that we can talk about as bloggers is uh, our personal experiences, and and I understand the difficulty. I wrote my blog or started writing my blog uh, a few years after I'd uh, already deconverted, and so some of the stories that I was telling were ten, twenty, or even thirty years old by the time I was writing them. So for me, there was so much time passed between them. I was writing them as, as history rather than as fresh events. Yeah. And I, I found that, uh, from from my perspective, was a much easier way of doing it because you're you're much removed. But writing about something fresh, I, I think I get it. it. It must be quite difficult writing about things that are fresh in your mind. Does that, do you think that shapes how you, how you write your posts or, or what you choose to post? I think sometimes, sometimes that would, I'd be like emotional, like if it had just happened. I remember the day that I came out to my mom, it was, I think it was like a Monday, which, you know, so I post on Sunday, so it was like five days ahead of time, but I'm like, I can't get any of this wrong. I don't want to like write anything that isn't accurate since it was on my mind. So I sat down like the next night to write it, and then I ended up writing a whole background story and... I actually had to split it into two parts because it was so long. Um, and then part one isn't actually up anymore just because it was just this long-winded story that doesn't really <laughs> matter anymore. Um, but I, yeah, it was. it's sometimes kind of hard, but I feel like the sooner I write it and it's like still on my mind kind of makes it easier. And I, when you get into such a habit of like writing all your experiences, I kind of feel like I have like closure with situations so like if I come out to somebody I'm like oh once I write about this now I can really kind of get all my thoughts straight and like sort my th my things out same with even just like writing a book review I'm like once I finish the book then I'm done with that but once I finish the review then I can really put it to sleep and really be d done with it so it's just like a, a habit I have with my whole life it's like something happens and then you write about it and that's kind of like ties it up and puts everything together and like when I would come out to somebody and kind of think of something I could have said. Then, like, in my coming out to my sister, I wrote in the post, I was like, this is what I should have said, and this is what I was thinking when I was talking to her. So it kind of helps me have everything organized together. Like, I have the memory of the experience, but then I also have, like, what I was thinking about at that time and what was in my head then. And uh, presumably you sort of moved from the name uh, Closeted uh, Atheist. So that's when kind of your family and your immediate circles didn't really know that you were an atheist. And then you've uh, changed the name to Curious um, Atheist. Is that because people found out? Or I, th I think I read at one of your blogs that you kind of almost got outed at one point. Is that is that what happened? Or how did you change the name? And 
Yeah, so that was pretty recent. I mean, it was over a month ago, but for me, it feels like it oh, just happened okay. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I just changed it. Um, but so I started it, like I said, nobody except my boyfriend then knew that I was an atheist at all. Although about one week, I think, after I started writing, that's when I told my college roommates because it was a lot harder to keep keep it from them because I was like reading The God Delusion in my dorm and also writing. And at that point... I'm, like, sitting in my bed doing all these things all the time, and they're like, what is she doing literally all the time? So I had to <laughs> come out to them. And I accidentally, um, part of my coming out to my roommates, I remembered that I'd been looking at a video. It was actually just a BuzzFeed video of something like, you know, 10 things atheists are tired of or something like that. And I had been working on a website for a class, and I meant to send them to the link to the website I was working on, and I accidentally sent them the link to this atheist YouTube video, Jeez. and I was like, my heart was beating out of my chest, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it, I was like, oh, why, why would that be in my clipboard, like, I have no idea, and my roommates, like, told me later after I come out to them, they were like, I thought nothing of it, she's like, I always fall down, like, the the whole of BuzzFeed and I would probably end up on something like that, but they're like, I could tell that you were really uncomfortable, and I don't know there was something up whenever you were all nervous about us finding this video. So because we should was, say you, you went actually went to a Christian college at this time. Yeah. So, so they're both Christians. So, yeah. So everyone's kind of uh, quite steeped in, into it. Is that, is that because you live in sort of what they class as the Bible belt in, in the States or is it, um, are you, are you, because I know you're part of the Lutheran Synod of Missouri. Does that mean you're in Missouri or can you be elsewhere in the States and still be part of that organization? Are you in a kind of a real kind of Bible Belt area or a little bit more, um, I don't know, some areas of the States, it's a lot less religious, um, like the West Coast and things. But um, was, was it really kind of the water you swam in in your area and nobody else, nobody else is atheist over there? Is that, that be fair to say or...? I actually, I'm from Pittsburgh, <laughs> so not not Missouri. My sister did live in Missouri when her husband was going to the seminary, but that's kind of the closest that we've gotten to that. Um, not from the Bible Belt at all, although sometimes it would feel that way. I think it's just crazy because I don't really think of Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania in general as being like a super Christian area. It's more like my upbringing itself and like the church and my family that were super Christian. Mm -hmm. And in the college that I went to, Grove City, which is about an hour north of Pittsburgh, where I live, is obviously full of Christians. So in my head, and in my life, in my world, everybody was. Although, like, going to work or wherever I've worked or, like, my public schools, like, I had a good amount of friends who were and some who weren't. Like, it's very mixed here, but just kind of where I ended up being, everybody was pretty religious. And, I mean, overall in the U.S., it's pretty high Although meeting mm -hmm. people not through church or not through free thought communities, they're usually kind of split. I feel like I get a lot of the spiritual but not religious type of people, but they're not usually like extremely religious. It's it's I think it's not so common, but people usually are at least like Christian in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's the environment that you grew up? It was presumably very religious. So I guess the question I want to ask is, when was the first time you were aware of people having either different uh, religious opinions or no religious opinion? That's interesting. So I grew up um, in the LCMS branch of the Lutheran Church, um, the Missouri Synod, which is a specific branch of it in which, I, in my head, it's like very fundamental and 
um, strict with, like, rules. I think that compared to, you know, after coming out and kind of hearing people's stories, I'm like, you know, that's nothing. And I, I watch, like, the YouTube videos from people who are ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and, like, ex-Mormons. And, you know, those kind of classify as cults. And then I actually wrote a blog post kind of following the same criteria. And I was like, is the LCMS a cult? And it, it kind of seemed like it could be, but it wasn't quite. Like, it's a few steps not counting as a cult. So it's really not as bad as um, a lot of people's pasts are. But so they have, like, the young earth creationism. Uh, they have, they're pretty conservative in terms of like abortion and um homosexuality and like atheism you know <laughs> they're not not the most open-minded group <laughs> they say that they don't have like a creed involving those things but they all just kind of lump together and they all kind of believe the same things anyways so it's pretty conservative i didn't really know of any atheists growing up i think that if I'm remembering right, they kind of were, like, demonized through, through like, church sermons and stuff of, like, us versus them and, like, they're, you know, not people that we want to be friends with unless we want to bring them to church and convert them or something, <coughs> something like that. So, so I, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so people at your high school and, like, primary school and that sort of thing, were they, again, all kind of mostly Christian or is it um, you, you, you get a bit of a wider range of people in those settings that was pretty split i mean i when i was in like intermediate school my best friend and it's kind of one of those memories that was so far ago that i almost might be remembering parts of it wrong because i think it was about sixth grade when i first um i must have been about like 10 or 11 would have first been in science class and learned about the big bang and started to kind of question like how the earth was actually created but then I, that was like my first kind of moment of doubt but then I have another memory um just based off of who my best friend was at the time that I also must have been around 10 in the same grade and I remember trying to get her to come to church with me and mm. the poor girl kept saying no I really don't want to go <laughs> and I was like the Christian friend of the group being like oh come on just go once like it'll be the best thing ever and I was not able to persuade her which I feel like is probably good because I must have bothered her so much so I feel bad now <laughs> um, but I don't like in high school I had three different best friends throughout and well okay I guess four but one of them one of them wasn't super Christian except I kind of almost converted her and I got her to like join the church one of them is a lesbian and she did not want anything to do with the church you know she was like very she was my one friend who was very like progressive and like she was big into Obama and she's like into abortion rights and like gay rights and I was like what is all of this crazy stuff this girl's talking about but I wasn't really that into it so I wouldn't like argue with her I was just kind of like weird that my friend thinks all these things um I do have one friend from high school who ironically out of all of them is the only one I still talk to and she's like super fundamental Christian um she actually is kind of non-denominational but she's super super Christian um and then I had my other best friend was really 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 smart and she, I don't think she was super religious either so it's like a very big like range of people um just thinking of like the sample of the people I was close to <laughs> so and my husband went to my high school, too, and he was not Christian then and obviously is very much not Christian now. But he also was, like, raised in a Christian household, and I feel like that's how a lot of people are. 
like most people come from a Christian household, but you also hear a lot of like, oh, I went to church as a kid, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. And kind of people fall away from it. Even, like they're not like staunch atheists, but a lot of people are like, well, I haven't been to church for a while. And that's kind of like, that's kind of where they leave it. So were you already doubting when you um, first became friends with the, the, the chap who eventually became your boyfriend and husband? That, yeah. So I, we started dating when I was around 17 and I had that, I always think of this, the moment when I was in that science class I was describing when I was 10 as being like when I started doubting and I kind of didn't take religion seriously then. I still had to go to church every week, but I kind of had this mindset of like, well, guess it's not true. I guess that's just what I think now and I'm not going to ever tell anybody, but I'm also not going to really be concerned about it. But it was like a huge secret because obviously I didn't have a reason then. I'm like, I don't know who I would ever tell this to or why. Um, but so we started dating and I had always been like, oh, I'm never going to tell my future husband or anything. But, you know, you say that <laughs> and then you like meet the person. And you're like, no, I can tell you anything. So then I think um, we must have been like on the phone. And I think he was telling me like his background and his life story and like what he believes and and like his family's background and stuff. And then I was like well, I guess this is a good time to let you know that I actually don't believe in Jesus either. And I think that he was surprised because of, like, he's met my mom, like, he's met my family, and he's come to church with me. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, I don't believe in this. I don't think he cared. He said um, that he kind of assumed that he was going to have to be with a Christian woman forever, but that's just how it was, and it would be fine. But he said he was (laughs) relieved (laughs) that... um, he ended up with somebody who he didn't know would be atheist when we met, but then that I ended up um, not being super Christian, then he wouldn't have to like be with somebody like who has totally different beliefs than him. So it kind of worked out for everybody. So, so it's an interesting position still... to be resigned to, sorry. isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I spoke over you there. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious as to to what your you, you repeated of what your your boyfriend said about being resigned to 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 being with a Christian. It's um. It's quite a peculiar. Thing. I just it just never occurred to me that somebody would end up in that mindset. Uh, I think I felt the same way. I was just like, oh, I'll probably be with a Christian, just like how I have been with my family, and it'll just be a secret. I think we both thought that we would never tell each other, but both like you know how you sometimes somebody like makes somebody else a food that they really hate, but then they only make it for the other person because they think they like it, and then <laughs> you kind of tell them you're like neither of us actually like it. I think we kind of both thought that might be how we were, but. But we we talked about it and sorted it out, which is really good. Yeah. And um, yeah, my question was: so at seventeen, you you still feel what obliged to go to church, or is it just that you actually enjoy it in terms of maybe the social side, or what, why did you carry on going if you sort of thought because um, yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking thinking what kept you kind of even plugged in a bit? Is it to keep your family happy, or why that, would you keep? Yeah, I kind of I actually. Even once I came out to my mom when I was, like, 22, I still kept going to church for, like, six months. Um, like, when I was a kid, I hadn't, like I said, I had never thought that I'd be able to say, like, I don't believe in this or anything. So I would never tell anybody, and I didn't tell anybody. Um, I think that my, you could kind of tell just from, like, seeing how we acted that, like, my sisters were, like, you know, my oldest sister went to one of the Concordia Colleges with the with like within the LCMS 
and she like was super christian and like you can just tell you know from how somebody acts like how mm -hmm. much they really believe and how much they're into it and i think you could tell from me that i wasn't as into it but it's not like it, even in my head i didn't feel like i really had a choice and then um there were a few years when i mean there was no way for me not to because just out of practicality like i didn't have a car and there would be a lot of times when i would like work on sundays at noon and so my mom would have to drive me to work and I wouldn't be able to get to work if I didn't go to church first. But she also didn't know oh, okay. that I was an atheist. So it just kind of that's how it is. It's like you go to church, which sucked, especially because she's the organist and we have two services and she has to play at both of them. So I had to go to two services each time, one at 8 a.m. Um, and one at 1030, which is kind of how the Closet Atheist uh, blog time came from because the church was at 8 a.m. so I would have my posts at 8 a.m. at the same time. Um, but I just kind of kept going out of habit but then once I came out to her I was like I think that was my part of my way of like softening the blow of like I don't believe in God but it's okay nothing's gonna change everything's gonna be fine. So I was like I'll keep going to church with you everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> and she was like shocked but then eventually I had my own car by then and I was like why am I just driving myself to church with my own like doing this out of my own choice and I'm like this is really ridiculous so I was able because I feel like I had to have an excuse because I couldn't just be like mom I'm not going anymore so I um stopped telling my job that I couldn't because I worked at a retail store in a mall so like they don't really care what day it is what time it is they always need people on Sundays so I took it off of my schedule request that I was unavailable on Sundays so for my whole time I'd been working there, it had said I can't work Sundays, and I made it so that I was available Sunday mornings. Um, so that was my, like, big excuse. I was like, hey, Mom, so here's my schedule. Did you see it? And she, like, looks at it. She's like, 8.30 to 2 this day, huh? And I was like, yep, working 8.30 to 2. And she was kind of mad the one time, but it never came up again, um, which was kind of interesting. I was, like, planning on writing a blog post about it and being like, well, I'm never going to church anymore. But then she never brought it up again. We never, like, talked about it. So... I just kind of stopped going, but she did tell me later that just having me there and knowing that I didn't believe and like, you can just tell that I like very much, I never, I never liked it. I never liked going. I didn't really sing. Um, I don't like to like sing along anyways. So you would never be able to hear me like singing. I didn't <laughs> You're just like me. I'm like, I hated that singing business. It was awful. Just kind of uh. stay in there and don't say anything. But um, I... I didn't like it especially because just being at church if you're not a Christian is a very different experience because if you're like really hyper aware all you're thinking of is like oh the unbelievers think that they're so much better than us and they're going to hell and and they're like just so terrible and I'm like this is really not like amping me up the way it would if I was like a believer sitting here so I didn't like it and then she said that it kind of dampened her mood just having me there and being so upset. <laughs> <laughs> and I would also take like little notes on the sermons to see how like silly they were and like the crazy things he would say and that like offended her so she's like maybe just stop coming and I'm like thank you <laughs> I tried to not go anymore so I don't have those notes that I was taking back in the day but I think it's worth it now I get to sleep in tomorrow so but yeah uh, but I guess you felt some sort of obligation because of family then it's not because you were you know some people like going because they like to sing along with everyone they feel that sense yeah. of community they've got really good friends there um I hated it from every day every time yeah, I went I hated be it just too. bored out of my head they would tell me the same things there's nothing new I just like mm -hmm. singing the same old song and it's the one thing that I found really easy to give up but um some people find that aspect of it really hard to to let it's, go of and the singing is what I miss the most 
if I'm honest. And I, I do go, I do attend church a couple of time, times a year because my family still go to church. And, you know, it, it always is that, that corporate singing, group singing uh, together, that, that's the bit that tickles me the most mm -hmm. uh, in, in, a, in a good way, that is. And, you know, if I was to ever go back to church, it would be, be for that. You know, I don't engage with the lyrics, obviously. You know, I, mm -hmm. I look at the lyrics mm -hmm. and I go, really <laughs> you, expect, you expect me to engage with those words but the the actual act of um having a sing song together it's probably because i've got an absolutely diabolical voice and no one gets pleasure from him oh. hearing me sing but you know i i quite enjoy doing it yes well okay but i mean it um, sounds like it's quite traditional music in your in your church organs and things like that so it wasn't kind of your modern evangelical thing with a guitar and a bit of a drum set and oh, keyboard no, no. Oh my God! I can't I literally cannot understand how you could hack it for that long. I would have literally gone back. Barmy. I mean, at least our music was kind of a bit upbeat and a bit, a bit cool. But and even then, I didn't like it. But uh, yeah. my mom was the organist, so we were always in love. Oh God! Yeah, I actually think that just because of that, like when I was at college, um, we had mandatory chapels twice a week, and well, it wasn't. It was mandatory. You have to go at least 16 times, and they offer them twice a week. So usually for like half the semester, you go twice a week. Um, but they did a lot of like contemporary music, and I think that just because I wasn't used to it and I hadn't been raised with it, I hated that more. Oh and wow! Then, um, later on, when I was like a senior, they started incorporating like at the beginning of it, they would play one hymn which I thought was kind of confusing, but I actually turned out liking that more because I'm like, at least I'm familiar with this kind of music and I, I didn't hate it as much as I did like the contemporary worship music, which I like surprised myself with. So I guess it's just because it's like, it reminds me of like being a kid almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like, hearing, yeah. hearing the old hymns and stuff. From that the makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I just used to remember thinking, I can read this sentence much quicker than you're all singing it. Please, can we just get <laughs> yeah. through this so we can sit down again? That was yeah. when I was a kid, and then we went to more modern churches, but where the yeah. music was supposedly, you know, quote mark, tre quote, mm -hmm. quotation marks, trendy, but um, it was yeah. still it was still pretty awful. I'd like to ask what it's like for, because um, you were a young teenager or even possibly before a teenager when you when you started out i'd like to ask um what it is in the mind of somebody so young that clicks that makes them start to doubt because i was indoctrinated into christianity quite fundamentalist christianity at a very young age and um through all the times through my teenage years if i have ever found myself daring to question or daring to be uncomfortable about my christianity my upbringing was such that it was clearly something wrong with me. I clearly didn't understand something right. And I didn't actually really start questioning until I was into my 30s. So what what is it about a young, what is it that a young person who's a young teen or a preteen, what do they start thinking about when they start challenging and questioning the Christianity they've been brought up to, to believe to the point where they can doubt it like you did? I feel like it's some of the like basic things that, anybody would be like questioning and you know it's the kind of thing that you'll see like ken ham's like actually we've totally figured this out you know we have a great great answer but um it's just very easy to like see through things like that is like they don't have any answers for this so um like i said i i had always been kind of taught that like evolution is very like very wrong and like it's i wasn't even taught that evolution is untrue as much as i was taught that it was immoral 
and mm-hmm. like bad and and it's that's what they're trying to get you to believe which is like against the the truth and the good like the good biblical stuff um so i had that was kind of something that that made me start thinking and i also around the same time i guess this goes along with it but i was questioning like if they were in the Garden of Eden, you know, and it was just Adam and Eve and God, and, like, who would have written that down? And, like I said, they do have, like, their answers that, like, Moses wrote it down because God told him what happened, and I'm like, that's not really how writing works. <laughs> like, you don't just, like, hear spirits telling you, like, oh, this is what happened, like, back then, or, like, well, it just sounds crazy to me. So did, I, didn't, I didn't know how they got that story and how they would have written it down. Did you never have it um, sort of presented to you as an, an analogy or kind of a poem or a story? That's how sort of thing. Because I suppose from, I mean, I know Matthew is a bit a bit different in his sort of belief in young earth creationism as kind of not necessarily a massive thing in the UK. Um, yeah. I think obviously because of his background, he did, he did uh, uh, buy into that for a little while and I have to confess so did I I, I unfortunately came got across gotquestions.com you know that one um, on the internet and suddenly looked at their piddly poor um, science on uh, young earth thing and thought oh right okay that's what we need to believe but up until then it's just not a thing in the UK we don't really discuss it um, I, I think most Christians in the UK probably wouldn't even highlight that as an issue i mean they're just like well of course it's a story it's a it's it's the deeper meaning in the story it's nothing to do of course it's not it's not history we're not writing down exactly what happened it's a it's an allegory of of how to see the world how we've messed things up but um which yeah i mean and again um these are actually quite when i've looked into it it's it's actually quite early um, quite uh, recent developments, uh, particularly in in North America, where um, you know it's only 100 or 120 years or so that people have sort of thought that this is an important thing to hold on to, the young Earth creationism. And actually, before then, I don't know that they well, one they didn't know really as much as we do now, but it it wasn't so much the issue. And uh, same with inerrancy, it's not necessarily a thing. A lot of Christians in in, certainly in Europe, think, uh, you know, worry about it. It doesn't matter if there are mistakes. It doesn't matter if some of the stories are, um, you know, just ancient texts, that that's the way the people uh, brought that down. So did you ever have any ex- sort of exposure to that? Or was it, because, I mean, I always think, yeah, I mean, you, you're told the Bible's inerrant and the young earth thing. Those are actually sort of quite easy thing to debunk and kind mm-hmm. of put aside. But you can still carry on. Lots of people do that and then still carry on with faith. But uh, did you ever have any of that sort of, aspect presented to you or did anybody reach out and say well you don't need to you don't have to believe this thing uh, literally there's no nobody saying you do so did anybody sort of give you that steer at any point or did you did you come across that sort of view uh not really it was pretty much just taught as well it's the reason why they believe it's it's true literally and historically is because it ties together with like the rest of their like fundamental beliefs so mm-hmm. they have what is it um it's like the fall the fall and then like the redemption and the resurrection and then there's going to be like the coming back i know that's not exactly like the right order but like they all tie in together and they're the main the most important thing for lcms lutherans and probably lutherans in general is like the story of Jesus in the Gospels, mm-hmm. and the main reason why Genesis is so important to them is because they 
say that like Jesus was talking about what happened in Genesis and he confirms it as true himself. So mm -hmm. they kind of just say if he said so, then that's how you know it's true. Mm -hmm. um, although I have been kind of on a quest for about a year to see if they believe in like if they have something in their doctrine about this about like the age of the earth or anything and um a, about a year ago actually my brother-in-law the pastor found my blog and so we were kind of talking about it and i didn't really want him to find it but since he was i was like i guess we're gonna have an open conversation now so one of the things i asked him was like what's what's your view on like the age of the earth and like how old do you think it is like do you think Genesis is true because I can pretty much give you in like five seconds the reasons why it can't be true mm -hmm. Literally and so he was like well, it's not as important to me um, What did he say? He said it's not as important exactly what God did or it's not as important how he did it or how long it took him as mm -hmm. it is that It happened so I'm like, okay, that's kind of a skirting around the answer, but he pointed me towards um, one of the Lutheran blogs like written by their their I guess leaders and they had like a series i responded to it and i responded to it on my blog but it's kind of a longer series about like what are the options of for creationism and they like explored and he tried to be like nonpartisan. the writer of this about he went through evolutionary creationism young earth and old earth which is like that combination of both mm -hmm. which i thought was kind of weird and they're trying to be like non-biased but you could just tell through reading it that he's like there was a little note on the post about um, evolutionary creationism where they're like, this is not endorsed by the LCMS. We're just writing about it. We're just talking about it. Like, we don't believe this. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay. And mm -hmm. there was <laughs> the article about young earth creationism was like, these, like, you know, the organizations that believe in this, like Answers in Genesis, they're just amazing. And, you know, you can kind of tell through the things that they do more than their official doctrine. Mm -hmm. like, um, they go to the Creation Museum. They have Ken Ham, like, articles oh, in the church, <laughs> like, they have all this kind of stuff, and um, there was an article also in one of their magazines written by their president that was talking about creation and the 6,000-year-old thing, and he was like, I know it doesn't make sense, but it's what we believe, so I'm like, you haven't, like, said it, but you've said it for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's but, what... um, but is it what Martin Luther taught? I mean, that's presumably the origin of Lutherism, isn't it, in terms of, I guess, in the 1600s yeah. or whatever he was around in, um, he probably had no idea there wasn't all this big debate about cosmology yeah. and the age of the... I mean, again, I suppose I was always told it was just kind of, well, a, a, a day might have been a billion years in God, you know, God's sort of idea so it, it didn't really matter but it was, it was more the the meaning of the story that was important that we've messed up um quite whether there was a talking snake and stuff wasn't so important and as i said i don't think it is for the church in the uk particularly i don't even think this uh, this issue comes off which is comes up which is why it's always fascinating to see how much of a big deal it is to to the sort of our american cousins how you know this is literally what people's faith is is lost or um saved on if they can believe that believe it's six thousand years old then they're sort of good to go um, but whereas this would never, never occur to us in, in well, apart from, as I say, Matthew, who's a, you've not obviously lived in the UK the whole time, but um, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating to see the difference and that uh, people are, really hang on to that when when it is just a new thing it's only a hundred or so yeah. years old that this has become a, an issue where you know i don't i don't think luther himself who set up the lutheran movement was necessarily uh that staunch on it i don't i don't know i don't know if you if you if you are uh, uh, aware of his origins origins from right way back but um, it certainly sounds that 
that the Lutheran Church in the States now does hold on to, uh, to, to, on to this. Uh, presumably they also do on to inerrancy and things like that, do they? Or? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's said anything about the age of the earth, or if he has, I haven't found it. No. I think that's probably no. why they, I think that they just can't say, like, officially, they can't make an official statement, but they can kind of show what they really do think. Because he has, he has statements on, like, the inerrancy and how the Bible must be perfect. And I think that, you know, they kind of follow from that, that this must be the case as well. And how the whole, like, story plays out with the, the different, um, like, the fall and the whatever has to mm-hmm. like a I mean, puzzle. It has to be part of yeah. it. Exactly. So if you're going to be inerrant, yeah, if you're going to be inerrant, you're going to land yeah. on young earth creationism at some point, aren't you? Yeah. It's hard to separate them, really. And also, the story stops making sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's fine. I had no problem letting go of inerrancy. I did it almost overnight. I was like, oh, okay, we're just reading it wrong. We don't have to take it every every word as literal. That's fine. That sorts out ninety percent of well, maybe fifty percent of apologetics. You can just go, okay, we don't have to hold it in this esteem, and that's fine. You can still be a Christian and believe. You don't have to believe in inerrancy. It's written by so many people over so much time. Of course, there's errors and problems and contradictions, and um, but uh, so that was never a yeah a big deal on. Uh, on my side but it, it really is a massive thing in the states and it's the uh, same yeah, it's, again it's much more is, than this country yeah 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 and it still is uh, and again the inerrancy issue is is only a modern phenomena um that i think the bible's been viewed very differently over time it's been different things for different people so um it's it's funny how it's such uh taken so so much root in uh, in the american culture um rebecca have you ever did you ever come across some of the more progressive some some of these things people like john shelby spong or uh rob bell or peter ends the way that you know the people like that who who do present a non-errant um who don't you know hold to inerrancy or early creation or did you sort of pass through a phase like that at all in terms of going oh okay i can i can still be a christian or i can still believe or it doesn't matter if i don't believe in a six-day creation i can still believe in the, the the gospels type thing did you ever go through a period of of sort of maybe let's call it progressive christianity or i didn't really have anything like that i actually I was so ingrained with, like, the 6,000-year-old, and, like, I had their arguments in my head of why, like, the Jesus part can only be true with the Genesis part, and, like, they were all tied up to me. And for a while, I hadn't, I didn't really have, like, the exact reasons why. And I remember I had a class, and it was, like, a science and religion class, and they were trying to, like, you know, because there's a lot of, like, there were a lot of smart kids there, and, like, kids that were good at science and you know, biology majors, and you're trying to, like, reconcile, because they're still Christians, so those people were, like, the pretty progressive Christians, Mm -hmm. and so they're, like, some of their classes were kind of trying to reconcile those together at my college, and one of the classes, the one I, the science and religion was, like, um, can you, like, talk about evolutionary creationism, or, like, what's your thought, or, like, do you think that, like there's enough evidence for evolution or do you think that it can tie together with it and my answer was backed up i was like well according to the lcms um it has to be six thousand years old and since it's not and then given you know like a list of like (laughs) evolution Mm -hmm. evidence i was like because of this it cannot be true and this is why christianity completely is false so i was like more of a dichotomy and Mm -hmm. i figured that it's either one or the other so i didn't really have like a way for it to work both ways but so like my friends in college I have like three close friends 
um, my two roommates and then another girl who's also like kind of part of our little group, they're all pretty progressive and they're all like, you know, especially one of them is, she was a biology major, so she definitely does believe in evolution and like understand kind of how it works, but they have like their way that they reconcile the Bible with evolution. And it's been interesting to like kind of hear how she does that because I'm like, well, you are super Christian, but you're also like, she knows the evidence for evolution. And I'm like, you're going to have to make this work together one way or another. You're going to have to give up one of them. And I feel like she knows enough about evolution that you're going to not be able to just drop that, especially with that being your whole life. Mm-hmm. So they, they have like ways of reconciling them, but like, I'll hear your explanations. And I'm like, I still don't, Think that those can fit together and it's probably like my upbringing that i'm like that those two things contradict mm-hmm. each other I, I can't i can't make them work together no that's it yeah my, I mean, yeah my experience was the same i tried to make them work and land on a, uh, a more liberal form of christianity and I, and I couldn't make it work and my my personal feeling is that uh, the only way to make it work is to not spend too much time thinking about it Mm-hmm. You know, and just to compartmentalize it, I don't think you can put huge amounts of thought in uh, into it uh, and explain it all and not come up with serious doubts. Uh, and I, I think on having just said that to any listeners, if you are a Christian and if you disagree uh, with what I've just said and you think there is a good way to think about it sharply and to and to make it work, please get in touch and let's uh, let's have a conversation about that and then uh, ask a few questions and see see what we can uh, unpack from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Rebecca, when you so you decided eventually to to start blogging, um, what was the responses that you you got from stepping into into the world of uh, blogging as an atheist, and how did you find uh, other people's blogs, and how did people find you, uh, and what was that experience like? Well, that was like a long time ago. I haven't been super active on WordPress for a long time. Um, but at the beginning, I was on WordPress pretty much all the time. I started my Twitter like four months after the blog itself, which kind of felt like a long time, but it really wasn't. Um, I would, so I guess it obviously, as any blog would, started off pretty slow. Um, I think I must have like Googled, you know, like how to grow a blog and get people to read it and stuff like that. So my main thing I would do is uh, look up, I would go on the WordPress reader and like type in like atheist atheism any word i could think of like secular secular humanism humanism like skeptical you know things like that and try to find any other blog that like has this name and i would you know i back then i was much more patient so i'd like go through each one and i would like read a post or two like comment on it like it follow it and then they'd be like oh so i see you on there and i think you said matthew that that's how you found me is you saw like my comment on somebody else so that was like a thing that i did (laughs) yeah to get seen and to find other people and like make friends that way so I would follow and I would comment and sometimes if I didn't have a lot of time I would just kind of go through and follow people I found interesting um, and kind of go that way later I did start my Twitter and connect with people that I have more followers on Twitter than on my blog but I think that that just speaks to like how Twitter works and how many people are on there you know, like, how many people is the equivalent of this versus WordPress? There's just not as many people to start with. So you really can't, like, if I had a YouTube channel, maybe I could have, like, 100,000 subscribers. But on WordPress, you're never going to, like, hit 100,000 subscribers, except nice. I think I've seen one person ever has. That's probably the equivalent of, like, a million if you're talking, like, YouTube. Um, 
so anyways, I kind of, yeah, I, like, I just interacted with other people, followed people. I, I didn't have anybody in real life to, like, tell about it. So you, like, Google how to grow a blog, and they're like, tell your friends and family. Share it on your Facebook feed. <laughs> and I'm like, so I have like, no. I can't, I can't work on it with that. Like, say, hey, Mom, like, read this all about, well, all about our church and stuff. So I kind of had to, like, go the back way and kind of just do it through there. But, like, people were nice, and some people would, like, share it. Um, I had never really written a lot before, although for some reason I kind of considered, I was like, oh, I love writing, and then I'm like, what What have I ever written? You know, you kind of just say that, but I turned out to like writing a lot. I don't do it professionally, I'm like a, de I'm a graphic designer, but I think that I wouldn't want to have to write professionally just because it makes it more fun for this, um, and I don't have to be all pressured and be perfect about it, but um, yeah, it's definitely... One of my favorite things to do, and I think I'm getting better at it all the time, so, yeah. And what type of um, reader have you got, then? Is it people from the, mostly from the States? Is it young people? Do you have a kind of an, a, a handle on who's kind of finding your blog? It's hard to tell exactly. It shows me the countries um, every day. I could check. Um, it, sh it's, it does give me, like, my... Um, the spread of like where people come from mm -hmm. but by years my viewership and where they're from so it is i've had <laughs> eleven thousand hits from the u.s and my second place is ah. 900 from canada so mm -hmm. it is about 10 times more people from the u.s than anywhere else i guess that makes sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and this is by years so this is only this year so it's not exactly accurate the entire time i've ever had it um, and do you, do you have people sort of reaching out going, oh, my, you know, I'm so glad I found your blog. I'm just I'm deconverting myself and I didn't, you know, you've really helped me sort of think things through. Or do you get those sort of kind of emails? Because I know people who've set blogs up like that and they, yeah, they start getting, you know, almost sob stories about how difficult it is for uh, somebody who's just feeling like they're going through this on their own. And they're just so happy to have found a, a fellow uh, fellow journeyer, really, I suppose is the maybe mm -hmm. the word. Yeah, I've, I don't get too many, which is probably good because it's not, like, overwhelming, so I'm able to mm -hmm. read each one. But I've had a lot of people do that over the years. A lot of people are, like, asking for advice, um, and they have, like, a, you know, everybody has, like, a different story, which is crazy. Like, one girl, or I feel like a few times people have been like, well, everybody I'm friends with is at this church, but I don't want to go anymore, and, like, I hate it. And so I feel like I like that people contact me when they have the same experiences that I do, because a lot of times, like, even in comments on my own blog, well, people will try to, like, give me advice and be like, hey, just, like, be yourself. Like, if somebody doesn't appreciate you for who you are, just don't be friends with them anymore. Or, like, stop going to church if you don't like it. And I'm like, that sounds so simple, you would think, mm -hmm. but it's really mm -hmm. not so easy. So I like when people are able to, like, ask me, and I'm like, well, for this one girl, um, it, like, she just didn't seem like she was in a place where she could just stop going. Because, like, her mom, like, I think she was in high school, like, she couldn't have like moved out or anything so I was like well you can try what I do which is I'll take a notebook to church and then use it to like write down all the funny things they say and then I'll like <laughs> laugh at it later so I, she was like oh I love your idea like I'll start doing that so she kept going it, for whenever she had to but she like had this notebook so it just was a little bit like more fun to actually go um, people have asked me that before and I've had a couple people comment on some of my like college stories and they're like oh I go to this super Christian school but I'm an atheist too it's totally the same and sometimes we have that moment where we're like oh do we go to the same school but it's never the same school but <laughs> if it had been maybe I could have made some more atheist friends but 
Mm. That's definitely some of the cooler times when people are like, oh, I really appreciate it. I thought I was all alone. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I have to. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's people in, in these Christian colleges and things who are just like crying out for, for somebody else, but it's almost like nobody can show their cards. It's a, it's a, yeah, a difficult position to be in. And um, yeah, I mean, how, how do you navigate like a Christian college when you're an atheist? I can't even think how, you, how would you just like not put your hand up in, in, in class and start challenging them or... I don't know, or writing really kind of subversive essays or something to be... Oh, that definitely happened. You did? <laughs> I, okay, yeah, good. For my first year, I wasn't really, like, worried about this at all, which is kind of... I almost wish I'd been I'd started writing earlier, because, like, I had some crazy classes. Like, my very first semester as a freshman, I had, like, biblical... Like, uh, biblical revelation class. Like, I don't, first of all, know what that means exactly, but it was, like, where the Bible came from it was part of like this core humanities like all like christian based classes and they pretty much drove me crazy all of them and like the professors would always like sneak in something that's like you know how can you not believe when xyz is so beautiful and i'm like oh man <laughs> this is not wow. teaching me anything um but i had um my i think i was a sophomore which is i had this class that was about like worldviews and we went through uh, Christianity, deism, naturalism, nihilism, and existentialism. And I found myself leaning towards naturalism. So that was the first time that I decided to write a paper from the perspective of my actual self. I had written papers in the past that were like from a Christian perspective. And about a year ago when I graduated, I wrote a post and I was, for the post, I was going back to read this essay and it didn't even sound like it was by me, but I was an atheist at the time that I wrote it. Mm -hmm. So it's just crazy to be like, wow, an atheist wrote this because it sounded like a sermon or something. Um, but in this class, I wrote why naturalism doesn't lead to nihilism. Mm -hmm. And I was arguing for objective morality, which I don't really think that I agree with anything I wrote in that paper anymore. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, I think I've changed my views since then. But that really got me thinking and that kind of turned me into like more of an open atheist. And that was the first time like a teacher really found out that I didn't believe and like saw my views that for what they actually are and um that was a few months before I started writing the blog which that was like my second post was like this class and how it changed my mind and then from then on I like I all my essays because all of these like six classes had a required essay and they were always like why I had one that was all about myths and one of my myths just happened to be in the list was like the gospels <laughs> of <all> the <laughs> okay I got a really bad grade on that, but it was also a class that I was just bad at anyway. So I'm like, might as well throw this in, <laughs> make the teacher mad while I'm at it. And they, um, so they don't take you aside a bit like, you know, I don't know, and wanting to have a word with you and and you're not contravening their kind of um, uh, policy at the school at the school or anything. It's, it's OK to stay, is it, even if you hold those beliefs yeah. or do they? Yeah, OK. That was actually something I was bothered by later on because... Um, when I found myself, I was in like an editing class and part of the things we had to edit, my teacher, my editing teacher was, was an editor for her, her church denominations, um, like magazine. So she would always have us like do articles she'd worked on about like different like church stuff. And it just drove me nuts. And I'm like, I was a second semester senior at the time. Um, <clears throat> and I was just like, not even in this English class, I can't get away from this. And my friend was like, what did you expect? You went to a Christian college. And then I said, like, well, I knew it was 
Christian, but could they have not, like, like there, this should be a better environment for people who aren't, considering there's not a statement of faith, you're not required to be Christian, so, like, those teachers had probably seen people before who had, like, written essays from other points of view, but you just don't really say it, and, um, my friend was like, you should be expecting this, and I'm like, well, maybe they should require you to be Christian, so I did wrote, write a post that was, like, my case for why it should have like a faith statement at my college. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you're going to be like this, you have to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. open about it because they kept being like, oh, it's optional. Like, you can be Christian if you want, but we don't make you sign anything. And then once you get there, it's like, that's all there is. So that actually really bothered me. I'm like, you you have to like say yes or no. Like, can I go or not? You know, like, because yeah, they, yeah. they want your money, but then they they force you to be Christian once you're there. So I didn't, I didn't appreciate that at all. No. So you yeah, thought you'd kind of be largely, it? yeah. You thought you'd largely be be left alone, sort of thing, and allowed to have your view and still attend the college. And but in actual fact, it's everybody there's Christian, and they ultimately are herding you in that direction. Is yeah, and they won't like kick you out or anything. They'll just your whole life will be like miserable if you don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Other world views are available. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. I mean, it's just it's just amazing to to us. It almost sounds like are you, are you familiar with The Handmaid's Tale? I don't know if you're watching that. Um, I've heard of it. I'm actually planning on watching it sometime, but I haven't watched okay. it yet. But it's I kind of watched uh, it either. Have you not? Okay, so it's no. this kind of Christian state, uh, just that controls everything, and uh, it's a dystopian future of anyway. So, um, but it, sometimes the states really sound like that to to us. I think it's. Um, I mean, it's. I had the opposite problem I would have never said in school that I was a Christian I would have kept it dead quiet because the idea of coming out to my friends at school um and even telling them I attended church was just too horrific I was I was the minority it was never never the other way around so and and yet you know Britain hasn't got a separation of church and state and um you know we 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 had religious education and assemblies and things where we had to sing hymns but it's it's very subtle and it's not it's not forced down and most people are secular so yeah you are the you are the freak if you're the christian so you 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 Mm. learn pretty quick to keep that quiet so to hear it the other way around where it's like the atheists are trying to find friends it's just nuts to me it just sounds really crazy but it's such a different experience and and i think a lot of people must suffer on well both sides actually you've uh, in the uk you suffer as a christian because you think you're the persecuted minority and in the state still around Yes, one thing that blogging and podcasting has exposed me to is just how different the uh, the uh, the divide is between the UK and the US in terms mm. of the the religious culture and uh, how atheists uh, are, are treated and viewed and and their status in in the population. It's it is it's very very different. So so you're you've left school now, haven't you, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. And you're work yeah. and you're working. And is it is it the same in work? Are there Christians everywhere at work or are you a little bit more free now no and there aren't which I think is giving me a better like view of what most of the population is actually like around here because like when I was in college even if like you walk down the street to my husband went to a secular college down the street and like it there were like a lot of Christians there and and he would have like Christian even like campus groups emailing him being like hey join us and and like worship and whatever, even at the secular college. But it, like, the, most of the people around here aren't 
super Christian. I think up in Grove City, it's like a very Christian population there. There's churches everywhere, but that's probably just because the college is there. Um, but like where I work, I was actually just thinking about this. So I have, like, I feel like people at work talk about, like, they, I think mostly they're like spiritual, but not religious. I think there's like an atheist in the office too. And um, this is like my full-time job now as opposed to when I worked in retail back, you know, the Sunday mornings when I would work and stuff like that. Um, but this is like, I was thinking a few times that if I was like a super Christian, like other people from my school and I was at the lunch table at work, I feel like I would be having that thought that I was like being persecuted or something because you have people who are like, oh, <clears throat> and they have like a, crazy like religious grandma or like they're like oh yeah my neighbor keeps trying to like get me to convert or they're like oh I had an uber driver once who was trying to like get me to convert to Christianity and they're like oh they're kind of crazy when they're like part of the mega churches and I was like wow I haven't like heard people almost like dissing religion just casually wow like this but I feel like yeah you know if I was like super Christian I'd probably be like oh my gosh nobody like loves Jesus here or anything but now I'm like I almost feel like really comfortable just being like myself, which is pretty cool. I'm not like worried about having Christians everywhere anymore. So it's kind of nice. Amazing. Amazing <laughs> difference, really. Yeah. So, so in, in terms of your close friends and family, I, I'm not, I don't need you to go into any, any uh, too deep detail, but has there, has there been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, obviously, it's affected subtly some of the relationships that you've got within your family and within your friends that you've uh, come out as atheists. Is there, has there been any irreconcilable damage or are you managing to stay relatively uh, civil as, as family and friends? Well, I haven't had anybody just up and stop like being my friend or like stop talking to me or anything, which is really good because... Like, when I was coming out, I wasn't sure. Like, you don't know what people are going to say. So, like, I almost thought that, like, my mom or my family was, like... And I had this super dramatic language, like, on my blog. I was like, oh, I, I have, like, a fear that I'm going to be excommunicated or something like that. And now I look back at it, I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, you're okay. <laughs> like, they're not going to do anything bad like that. But I had been afraid. Like, even coming out to my mom, I was like, you're going to throw me out on the streets or something. Because I had... I was still in college, but I still lived with her and... Um, she was, like, paying my tuition, so I was like, oh, I don't want to sound like some kind of cheapskate, but, like, <laughs> I can't just, like, tell you and then have you, like, stop paying for my college. Yeah. I have to graduate and stuff. Um, but it actually turned out, ironically, that the day I came out to her was, like, a week after she signed my very last tuition. <laughs> and I was like, don't, don't get this the wrong way, because there was, like, this whole situation that I led up to it, so it was kind of a coincidence, and I was like, it's not really why I'm telling you now. But she was actually offended that I would even imply that. She was like, how could you think I would do that to you? And I was like, I had no idea what you were going to do. But So that was really good. I mean, I'd rather have her be offended for me thinking some, some just thinking the worst than have the worst actually happen and think it would have been fine. Um, I have a couple of friends who I have not told. And um, the one is the one from high school I mentioned who is super Christian. I don't think she ever really has to know. I don't know why, like, I don't know why that would come up in conversation, and I don't think that she would actually be cool with knowing an atheist, so I'm like, I know this is one of those situations where, well, maybe you don't need her if she wouldn't 
really, you know, accept you for who you are, but I'm like, I'm not, like, super close to this girl. I don't talk to her that much, so, like, I feel like it doesn't really hurt anybody if I see her once a year and she, like, thinks I'm Christian. That's fine with me. She um, literally, you said, you said she literally wouldn't be cool about knowing an atheist. It's to that level. Not. Yeah, I've, wow. she, like, posts some things on Facebook sometimes where she's like, atheists are just, like, trying to take our Bibles away and they're just being so bad to us, and I'm like, Okay, like think what you want to think. You're just giving me more things to write about. <laughs> like <laughs> about her her Facebook posts. I think a couple of times. So I'm like, well, thank you for that. You don't even know <laughs> that you helped me out. Um, and I have a couple friends from college, but like since I've graduated, I don't really see them. So I don't know why I would have to like come out with them. I think that there's one girl that I was friends with in college who would probably be bothered by me being an atheist, the same as the high school friend, but the same way I don't really ever see her so I'm like well now it's kind of like the time has passed I don't think I ever have to come out to these people I haven't come out to in the mm-hmm. like yet I don't think I have to now um my family's been pretty okay compared to what I would have thought I think that they're they're not that happy about it um but they I think have typically been more upset once they found my blog than they just were that I didn't believe or agree with them um, I don't think that they like that. They think that I'm kind of um, like being hateful and like saying terrible things about their religion, like bashing God and stuff. And I'm like, I think it's crazy when I hear them say that because I'm like reading over. I'm like, am I really like that evil? And I like read a post. And it's like, oh, this is inconsistent. And like this book I read about, like um, the the Bible was <laughs> like really not written well. And like you know the arguments are terrible. And then. They think that I'm like being hateful and. <laughs> no, you're just asking yeah. questions and exploring yeah. things and. I don't think that they and, appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah, they're not sort of you're that... gonna. Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> As I was <laughs> saying, I I remember that that mindset of being so entrenched in in the belief that anyone daring to critique uh, Christianity is is uh, offending you you deeply and it's. I remember being in that that mindset of being impossible to separate uh, sincere questioning from from downright insult, and, and I think that's an uncom- I think that's an, an unhealthy place to sit. You know, you need to allow the things that you hold deeply to be questioned intellectually, and uh, as soon as you go to that place where you don't allow those kinds of questions and you just consider questions as an insult, uh, you're you're creating an unhealthy environment. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say, Sarah? Uh, it's completely gone from my mind. But I was, I was <laughs> going to say, I was going to ask another question about Lutheranism. So, do they sort of believe in things like eternal conscious torment? You know, hell is, you know, you're going to a specific place which you're going to be conscious for eternity, and it's going to be awful. Or do they believe in some sort of annihilation? Or, um, and do they have any? Do they practice the gifts of the spirit? You know, it's kind of charismatic stuff. Because oh, okay. They, no, they're, well, they do believe in the eternal hell, but it's different, like, the culture is a lot different from, like, the Pentecostal type of people Mm -hmm. who have, like, the fire and brimstone, and they don't, they definitely don't do, like, the spirit or the standing up, it's a little more, like, staunch, and you kind of, you know, you go, you sit, and then you sit and stand and sit and stand and sing Mm -hmm. and sit and stand (laughs) and do the sharing of the piece you shake hands but there's none of the like crazy singing or hands i think that sometimes people will put their hands in the air but i think it's just like one guy and people kind of look at you weird they're like oh did you come from a different kind of congregation you don't really do the hands in the air thing Um, 
Well, so I, they, they, they wouldn't sort of um, pray for people. Would they pray for healing or pray for... T- do they do tongues um, no, or anything like they, that? The closest thing is whenever they do... They're around um, doing the, uh, the... The mass. Not the mass. That's like the Catholic version. Uh, communion. <laughs> yeah, communion. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That, that's not, that's they, not too wacky. Yeah, when they do communion, they do, like, oh, you can put in a prayer request and, like, oh, like, Debbie's grandma is in the hospital, like, we'll pray for her. But it's nothing, like, you know, crazy. Anything you would normally expect. And not uh, anointing you with oil and and casting demons and screaming at you and that sort of thing, though. No, okay. So it's fairly, so it's organ sound- music, fairly traditional, sitting and standing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. the- Really, the craziest stuff is just, like, the doctrine. But I think, mm. like, even comparatively, it's not as bad as, like, a lot of, like, blogs that I've read and, like, YouTube YouTubers who have talked about where they came from. I'm like, this is, like, like nothing <laughs> nothing compared to... Yeah, yeah, How do they compare with the Southern Baptists, for example? I know we've heard a, a bit of from them over time, so I'm sort of aware of, of their beliefs. But would you say they're more even stricter or kind of about similar or how exactly are the southern baptists i've been to one baptist church but i don't know how how they all compare to each other i know there's kind of differences between some of them i don't know i guess they're fairly traditional and they you know they they hold to some pretty strict views on on things i, I mean i'm not an expert but i just yes. uh, uh, especially on an american southern baptist is different to what we call baptists in the uk so with baptists in the uk are pretty a pretty wide bunch of people mm-hmm. and could be charismatic or might not be or um but it just seems like it's it's just the fundy levels are kind of tweaked up a little bit more in the in the u.s is what i i feel we, we're yeah. gathering a little bit i mean it's just such a stifling environment to be in do you yeah that's um, what i would describe it yeah yeah people can't think and they're just pound it's just fear isn't it people uh as soon as you question or you think differently there's no room for um for questioning or having doubts and so many people must be faking it is the only thing I can think Mm -hmm. of especially with the internet today and all that's available and all the information and um you know it's not hard to to debunk a view or to to look uh, not even debunk it but just look at an opposing view and find another book or because I suppose um we're as Matthew said we're a bit older than you and uh, you know when I, we were Christians you went to a local Christian bookshop there was no internet there was no mm-hmm. so you you really were indoctrinated in that sense you didn't really get a, other views I suppose you could go to a library and things but but now you can t- type it in into the internet and you can get Christopher Hitchens videos and Sam Harris podcasts mm-hmm. and there's so much more and uh, it probably is leading to a lot of deconversion. So it's amazing that in the U in the US, it's um, there's some some really strong fundy things that are still persisting. I suppose. Um, I think that they yeah. they're not like opposed to like looking up things, and they actually so they have this little like library um, in my family's church, and they have you know like a billion and one books on like creation and why evolution is wrong, like. <laughs> how I said that they don't explicitly say that that's what they believe, but that's, they're like real, I, I don't know if it's like from church to church, like that's what the pastor's into, or if that's mm-hmm. like, but he, but they have so many books on like Genesis and why evolution is false and stuff like that, but they do have a copy in that library of the God Delusion, which I f- wow. was really confused about actually. Mm-hmm. Like, so did they read through this and like they still have their beliefs, but they have a lot of things that are like supposed to be almost rebuttals to like claims from evolutionists so i feel like they're aware that you're going to 
find that type of thing, but they also, like, they have their their weird version of a response, like... Mm-hmm, they're I ready. Do, <laughs> I, I also, you made me think of, like, the Jehovah's Witnesses, which I've been watching a couple videos from some ex exes from there, and they, like, I never knew this, but they aren't allowed to go on the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, how people deconvert, and, like, they, they're just, like, it's, you know, the wow. internet's, like, Satan or something, so they just aren't even allowed to. Mm-hmm. So, that, like, makes me really feel not as bad <laughs> about, like, no. where I No, I mean, if you control people with fear with that, same with Scientologists and stuff, and you tell them, you know, it's the big bad world and they'll have their views challenged and stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, I just feel sorry for them, really, because they're just, they are trying to do the best, aren't they? They are just trying mm-hmm. to, they just think that what they believe is the right thing. That's trying, They're trying to please God. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just such bad science <laughs> at the end of the day but, but and there's, yeah, and there's other ways of expressing the faith as i say that you can perfectly perfectly well have other views on on faith and and questioning and stuff and the jewish way of having tension in the text where you can have um you know stuff that doesn't make sense or that they can this is true but this is also true and you hold the two truths together and and it's about debate and you know that kind of uh um approach and it's it's so less dogmatic it's not so what's funny is it's not even necessarily how the ancient civilizations approach these texts or what they did with them or anything it's um it's funny really the way we've twisted it all <laughs> in our yeah, cultures no idea these that days. it's ever happened either that it was ever like twisted they just think this is the original sure yeah way yeah, it was yeah. like not at all <laughs> No, no, and then well, I guess we're none of us are pretty very good uh, Greek and Hebrew speakers. But um, did, so, did you come across people like Bar Ehrman and and scholars like that when you were looking at coming out, or what? What sort of um, resource did you did you find? Was it was it the big big headlines yeah. like Hitchens and Harris and? Yeah, I I have. I mean, now I have all those like on my bookshelf. I haven't read Ehrman yet, but I have a couple ideas from him of, like, things I want to read first, um, mm-hmm. but I, my first things that I kind of came across as, like, atheist sources were part of the paper I was writing on naturalism and nihilism, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember who specifically, all I know is that the only, like, book I can remember that I was looking at was The God Delusion, which, like, they had, like, a small shelf of, like, atheist writers in the college library, so I was able to use it from there, um, but I actually, I remember that I was hesitant to quote Dawkins at all in this class because I had a class, like, the last year from a super conservative, like, very political, like, if you've ever heard of Matt Walsh, the blogger, um, he's, like, really, really political, really conservative. My teacher basically reminds me exactly of him, um, so it was mm-hmm. kind of like, he had gone on, like, a rant once, you know, one of those teachers that, like, teaches sometimes, but also just kind of rants about, like, society or whatever he's mad about that day so he had been on a rant once about Richard Dawkins and like why he's so dumb and like and he thinks that he and I mean one of his points was okay although nobody in the class has ever heard of him so this is like the first anybody had heard of Richard Dawkins and it was like he thinks he's good at theology but he's a biologist and he only knows one thing and not the other thing and I'm like well that's a fair point but that doesn't make him dumb he's obviously very very smart at biology so I had had his book as a source for this class with a totally different person, but in my head I was like, oh, like Dawkins is known as like a big dummy who um, shouldn't be quoted because he's too controversial. And I had like a something from the God Delusion that I wanted to 
talk about in this paper, but I didn't end up quoting it because I figured that the teacher would just think I was pulling some sources that were like really sketchy. <laughs> um, but that kind of t put me to wanting to read The God Delusion, and that's kind of when I started reading it. So I was a, that was like the first, I have this whole book collection now, but that was the first book I got, like part of this collection was mm -hmm. The God Delusion. And it took me a really long time to read it because I was still in the closet, so I had like another book cover over it. <laughs> it, was like, it was something else. And the only book I had in my house that fit it was like a, a Maximum Ride book, which I don't know if you guys have heard of. It's like a t tween, like 13-year-old kind of audience, like book <laughs> about people with wings. And it was a really good book, but it was... Like, obviously, I wasn't just reading, like, the seventh book in this series for teenagers when I was, like, 21. But nobody ever really questioned it. I hit it anyways, even with the cover on it, because people would... I didn't want anybody to ask, like, how's this... What's what's going on in this story? Because I wouldn't have an answer. But I was reading it for, like, a year and a half. And I w it was, like, off and on. And I'd have to, like, you know, read it every, every once in a while for, like, five minutes at a time. Because I was afraid my mom would come into my room or something. But... I, yeah, that was my first, like, main source was The God Delusion, and I started writing for a long time before I even reviewed it, so I kind of had the, the sources that I was using for the blog, and a lot of what I was doing was actually, like, on YouTube, um, and watching YouTubers was a lot easier than trying to get through this entire book. Mm -hmm. so I was into a lot of um, Hemant Mehta, the friendly atheist, mm -hmm. yeah, and his, like, his pretty older videos, but they're, like, really short and, like, bite-sized, like, you know, seven reasons heaven doesn't exist, or, like, six things not to say to any atheist, and it was, like, really easy to consume and, like, really quick, and it was actually kind of nice because there were a few things in them that I didn't agree with, so it was, like, kind of a good practice for, like, picking apart, like, why he might be wrong or, like, why this argument is good or bad in this video um so i was watching some from him and some from jacqueline glenn as well um she popped up in my like suggested um as youtuber so it's kind of like those two people plus um the god delusion from dawkins kind of started mm -hmm. me off i mean i have a certain sympathy for your uh, teacher who thought dawkins is not the strongest of theologians i actually would agree with him i don't th I, I think he could just stick to biology at, at i think some so point. too yeah I, yeah i don't think he's necessarily um nuanced enough to p pick up what's going on but um did you ever come across uh, the podcast um matthew and i listened to unbelievable on the it's uh, a weekly podcast on the uk um christian channel but actually it's a really fair debate usually between a christian and a non-christian and it can be no, from I people have not heard of they're really interesting yeah and it'll show you it'll show you um just how broad christianity was i mean it was actually one of the reasons i deconverted was listening to this christian radio station and the debates that's how fair it is i suppose and how um unbiased uh it often uh is moderated so it's a real credit to them but um you suddenly realize no two christians actually believe the same thing you've got yeah. you'll have calvinists on there armenians on there you'll have um cessationists and people who believe in the gifts of the spirit and you're just like we well, you guys you can't all be right you know and uh those who are arguing that hell is just a notion that was a mishmash of hades and shale and uh gehenna which was the rubbish dump and it's nothing to do with you know a, a literal hell because that's actually from dante's inferno and um right. and you just suddenly realize just how many views are out there and how many approaches to the an eastern eastern orthodoxy and and you're just like whoa you know it really is a it's a really great debate i mean uh, i'm sure matthew will will say uh, he enjoys it as well. So um, I do. Uh, yeah, that, that's definitely a good source for people because I'd say it's quite unbiased. You could you could end up 
strengthening your faith almost from listening to it or you could um decide you know it's not for you but uh yeah it's a good it's a good moderate if you're searching it's a good resource but i guess if you've taken your position then well it's still interesting still interesting whatever (laughs) you should write in sarah and say that uh, congratulations you deconverted me See if I, it gets uh, yeah, I did. I did. I said, to, oh, I did. said to Justin, yeah, and I think he said, "Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that or something." But um, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's a good guy, and uh, he, the topics are always interesting and stuff. But you just realise there's gay affirming Christians, and then there's mm-hmm. transgender Christians, and then there's people who are completely against it, and it's always, you know, a fairly respectful, highbrow debate. It's kind of good subjects, meaty, and and. Uh, you know uh, intelligent people discussing things so definitely a, a good thing and also do you ever listen to things like everyone's agnostic they're a podcast of people who've deconverted and that's just just stories over and over and over of people have you come across those guys no i just added unbelievable as you mentioned it so i'll add that one as well it was yeah, what everyone's people... everyone's agnostic uh-huh. and there's um there's obviously ryan bell the guy who became a was a pastor for a while, and he decided to be a whole year as an atheist. He he did the experiment and then ended up. Oh, uh, that's cool. Living without yeah. God or life without God, I think is his. Yeah, life after life, life after God. God yes, yeah, no, it's it's quite a good one actually. I quite like it. Yeah, he's um, and Matthew's obviously just been on the uh, graceful. Graceful Atheist podcast. Yeah, yes. that was interesting too. So, you know, these things are springing up, aren't they? People have obviously got questions, and they've obviously the old way isn't working anymore. There's there's more mm-hmm. information out there, and people are starting to question. So, uh, well, it's only can only be a good thing. Yeah. Yes, I think it's important for for people who have transitioned from Christianity into atheism to be out there on social media, whether it's blogging or podcasting or YouTubing or whatever there, you know, whatever is the flavor that you are, go go and do it on social media because there'll mm. be people there who who will need to hear what it is you've got to say. So I, I would encourage anyone uh, who's, who's made that transition to get out there and start com- consuming social media content and creating your own because there mm. are people who, who want it and who will listen. Yeah. So are you kind of, is that it? Are you done with religion, Rebecca? Are you kind of like, that's it? I would never entertain, I don't know, other forms of spirituality or you kind of sort of made your peace with it and moved on? Or do you think that some areas are still interesting? Or I mean, so- I, I, I think I couldn't say for sure, like maybe in so many years I'll change my mind, which I feel like is a good thing to mm-hmm. have. Because you have like Christians, like... My mom will say it's it's absolutely a fact that God exists and you know you're never going to change my mind, which almost makes me confused because I didn't really consciously mean to be trying to change her mind. But I don't know if people are hearing these arguments for the first time and like it makes them a little nervous to be like, mm-hmm. oh, some good arguments. And I'm like, I'm not consciously trying to persuade anybody in my family no. or my friends away but I feel like just kind of if you show them that you're, you know, God, not going to church, you're having a good life, like I'm... I mean, especially Matthew, after reading my blog for the past three years, you'll know it hasn't always been like going well for me, but I'm definitely doing very well right now. And I feel like that almost shows in itself that it's almost like a testament that being an atheist doesn't mean that you're not happy. So I don't think that I would have to be changing my my mood anytime soon. And And as to like, I know there's a lot of people who are like, I left religion, organized religion, but now I'm kind of just spiritual, which mm-hmm. I'm, I don't even really understand what that means, and I don't think I would ever be able to align with that. 
No, uh-huh. me neither. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. really get it, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I don't know. People might see it as a practice, so it could involve yeah. things like meditation or whatever. But it's, it's just, just it's just sometimes people replace it with something else, or yeah. it's just interesting to see where people land at the end of the day. Have you ever come across um, another guy, um, Science Mike, and his podcast? Now he was again. He was a Christian became an atheist and then had some sort of transcendental experience so he oh, kind of no. came back to Christianity but in a completely different way oh. and it, he's really interesting to listen to because he's just like well it's just ancient stories so we don't have to take it that's you know but you can take the good out of it you, I mean there are some nice bits in the Bible there's not it doesn't you don't have to be black and white it's all bad it's all good but um, he, he definitely you know he says and this is my culture so I'm just practicing um, faith but he's a bit more kind of God is the cosmos and we're all part you know he's a little bit more along those lines um but it's just an interesting different view um that's kind of fun is he the guy that wrote the book finding god in the waves in the waves yeah have you read it justin had no but i just remember it justin featuring it on unbelievable and talking with him and um i remember being uh, deeply unimpressed by it by the argument being put forward he doesn't do theology so yeah i wasn't motivated into reading the book at all no you wouldn't terribly terrible plug yeah, no, you don't. You don't need to um, read his book necessarily. You can just listen to his podcast. I like the way he's mediating his faith to people. I think it's a really um, a good thing. I think it would. It makes people much more progressive. It's not at all threatening. They, it's you know, it's all faiths kind of uh, good. It's all kind of yeah. I mean, it's wishy washy woo as well, but it's. Uh, I think it's kind of fun. It's a fun way to look at things. A lot about consciousness and the um, how we. Um, experience things and what they mean and and he brings in a lot of science so it's a really interesting podcast to listen to um, and he doesn't care whether you believe or not you at the end of the day couldn't care less because he, he just does not believe in literal hell or anything like that so um, but he's quite a fun guy to listen to I would uh, definitely recommend his podcast and it seems to be a thing there's a he's an American as well and uh, uh, there seems to be a massive growth around that kind of talk uh, of, of sort of reinterpreting faith and reinterpreting the bible and the christian view and just uh yeah different movement that clearly is is gaining a lot of ground and he's, he's getting more and more popular and doing talks and things so again like a bit like rob rob bell and i don't know if you've ever come across some of those more liberal christians that are kind of much more relaxed on the whole the whole thing but yeah i mean yeah, I, us europeans are much more open to liberal christianity aren't we yeah, I think so. I think so. The, the American stuff just sounds really, really, really stifling and really suffocating. And um, I'm just always impressed people get themselves out. I mean, the idea that you couldn't sort of, you know, tell people in your friendship groups and stuff at school um, that you're an atheist is just, or you have to hide the books you're reading stuff is, is crazy. That said, I'm not out to my family, so I should <laughs> shut up. But that's just my family, all my friends. But then I came out to all my atheist friends in the UK and they're like, they don't get it because they're just like well what's the problem of course we don't believe like, anything. why would you have to do that yeah yeah well, why are you having to journey out of this which just seems so obvious to all of us and then um yeah and the christian ones i guess they don't get it either so yeah it is still a lonely place when you deconvert but oh yeah but it's it's fun i if you kind of enjoyed the journey in a way i mean is it i know it's painful and it's difficult but it's an opportunity for growth and you learn stuff and I kind of don't regret it now. I wouldn't yeah. wish it upon anybody, but I don't. Uh, I kind of I'm thankful for it now. It's a journey. It's something I went through. And how do I you think, feel about it? I think I'm glad that it's all happened. I think 
the way that I usually ask myself that question is, do I regret where I went to college? Um, because, like, not only was I there and my husband was, like, eight, eight miles down the road at a secular college, and I'm like, I could have been not only not here, but also at his same school with him, and we could have been, like, together, like, not at this Christian college, but I... I started my blog. I know that like the family is part of it, but the the college was why I started it. Mm-hmm. And I was I wonder sometimes if I um would have ever started it without the college and I I don't know if it would obviously it wouldn't be the same, but I feel like I probably would have come out eventually or like start stop going to church. It probably would have taken like maybe it could have taken like a decade longer, but I'm kind of glad it did happen when it did. So I like, wrote about it, and even now, like, I don't have, like, you know, the college that I'm at and the chapels all the time, but I, it's still something I'm interested in, even without, like, having, like, a Christian, like, life (laughs) and having, like, being at college or at my mom's house anymore, I still find, like, things to talk about, and I'm still, you know, active and thinking about this type of thing, even without it, like, Mm. stuffing me. Even openly, it's really, I think it's a lot more fun just not having to hide it. Mm-hmm. What what's the biggest the sort of biggest gain you think you've uh, you've had from deconverting and genuinely sort of leaving it behind? I think in- um, being able to be open in places I never would have been able mm-hmm. to before. So like I've always had the blog and Twitter have been like my atheist like hubs, but I have my personal Facebook and my personal Instagram have always been like. It, I, I don't, like, post that much, but it doesn't say, like, atheist on it. But now, like, it says in my little description, it says atheist. It's not, like, on my front page, and I don't, like, post atheist stuff. But, like, if mm-hmm. somebody posts, like, something political that I do agree with, I'll like it. I don't usually share just because I don't share anyways, but I'll, I'll like it. So you'll be, like, if you want to know, you'll be able to find it. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, like, a little thing, but I just like to be able to not you have to worry. Free, yeah. Is, yeah, is this person going to, like, go on Facebook today and find this out? I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. they will. Whatever. Um, and I, I, this is, like, a smaller thing, but I, like, living at my mom's house, you know, she's got, like, the Bible verses hanging everywhere, and there's, like, a picture of, you know, the the popular picture of Jesus, which obviously, you know, is not, <laughs> but, you know, it's the picture of Jesus, and there's Bible verses everywhere, and, like, at college, everyone's dorms have, like, the little, like, Bible verses, like, scrawled, all, all nice looking, and I just like having my own non-Bible verses, like, decorating my house, like, openly. Mm -hmm. I have um, a poster that just says atheist on it that's hanging up. It's really big. I'm like, I just really like being able to show this. And I have a Christopher Hitchens quote hanging as well that I really like to be able to have. And it's not like I have a a Bible verse hanging on the wall. And then I also have a few t-shirts that, like, say atheist and say, like, um, the name of my blog on them that I I'll, I don't like wear them to work, but I'll wear it out for like groceries and I'm like, hey, maybe pe- somebody will like look mm-hmm. at me and be like, oh, she's an atheist and they'll just know. And I think that's really cool. I don't have to like hide it. I'll just wear it like so right on, on the front of my shirt. So you feel freer and like you're sort of thrown off the chains of shame and all that sort of thing. You feel a bit more and open to, I mean, I'm speaking from my own experience, but you do, I just feel more open to experiences and less controlled by fear and, and concern of is this right or is this the right thing to do and all this kind of stuff so um I don't know you just it makes you much more open to the world and new experiences and I found that's been a, a great thing so yeah I've also joined the local the Pittsburgh free thought community I've been in it for about four months I think 
And it's, I really enjoy being able to kind of go and people assume that you're an atheist or some, some form of, you know, agnostic deist something if you're there. So it's kind of cool that not only is everyone there kind of in the same vein as you, but they, they don't like default to thinking you're a Christian. They default to thinking that, and then you don't have to like hide anything from them. Like they're complete strangers, but they already get to know that about you and you know that they're going to kind of accept you, which is really cool to be able to assume that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds like you've, uh, you've gained from your experience and obviously your husband's very supportive if he was, he was, uh, out of the, out of the, uh, church thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. I've just got one more question, uh, Rebecca, before we start going into the, to the wind down. Um, who was the hardest person to tell? Um, that's really difficult to, I, so I had, like, I guess I'll give, like, a list of, like, the main coming outs that I've had, so there's, like, an understanding of, like, the, the, how many we're choosing from, so there were my college roommates, um, they were first, I guess my husband at the time, but that was so long ago, I don't even count it as, like, the same era, um, and then I had to come out to my mom, and then later my oldest sister who's the one married to the pastor i've come out to my other i have two older sisters and one younger i guess i should say so i came out to my other older sister um and i haven't formally come out to my younger sister but i know that she knows because we've we're like closer and kind of more jokey around so i've like mentioned it you know kind of in passing like haha i don't really want to be at church today and she'll be like yeah i don't you know so there wasn't like a coming out conversation with her but she's also really close to my mom, so I feel like if my mom knows, they're probably talking about that to each other. And I actually know that she also reads my blog, so one way or another, she <laughs> she knows now. Um, and then later on, I also came out to my dad. Um, but I the hardest ones, I think, were tied between coming out to my mom and my oldest sister. So that was like the within my family the first and second times. My mom, it was difficult because it... I wanted to, like, plan it, and I wanted it to be, like, after I was married and, like, living on my own, but, so they had, my sisters had found out that we, my husband and I had actually had sex before marriage, which is, like, very much not okay, and my mom sat me down after finding this out to, like, tell me, like, how much of a sin this was, and this is, like, a terrible thing, and, and I was like, well, you know, mom, like, I'm 21, or I was 22 or something, and I was like, would you really think that's, like, a thing that you can, like, tell your adult child? And she was like, oh, I would have this conversation with you if you were 40. And she's <laughs> like, if it's not allowed, it's not allowed. And I was like, yeah, but I'm a grown-up, and we've been, toge- we've been together for, like, four years. And I'm like, is this really something that everybody needs to stick their noses into my business? But then later on, there was something, and we were engaged, I think, later, and that kind of led to everybody being like, why are you doing this? Like, why aren't you afraid? They were like, like, um, genuinely like, why aren't you afraid of going to hell over this? Or like, why don't you think this is an issue? And I was like, I had to be honest. I was like, there's a reason I don't think this is bad. And that's because I'm not Christian. And without that, there's really not any reason to think that you can't have a monogamous relationship with somebody you're planning on marrying anyways, or any really anything else I don't think would really Mm. be you know, as long as it's consensual, I don't understand the whole idea of, like, sexual sin. Mm -hmm. So that kind of led to coming out with her, which made me nervous because 
there was it was like a day we've been having a fight about that and she was like upset at him and she was like why is he you know like doing all these terrible things to this innocent christian girl and i was like oh, all right i've got to really clear the air here so, oh, so I no. that so that was just hard because i hadn't like really planned it like i had had a little bit in my room i was like okay i'm gonna have to tell her and this and i'll say this and this so that was just hard because it wasn't planned but my sister and her husband was difficult just because he's a pastor and he's like more well-versed in this type of thing <laughs> and he's probably met more atheists before so i know he would have like more rebuttals to it and they were still upset about the whole premarital sex thing but we are also engaged at this point and part of the issue with coming out to them was that we had thought that he would marry us as the efficient and the pastor but he was like if you're gonna keep sinning like this then like i'm not comfortable doing this and i don't know why you're like why are you doing this and so i had to explain to them i'm like well we're atheists and you can decide now if you want to marry us or not but we want you to have all the information so i thought that was fair to him because i don't want to mm -hmm. be like, oh yeah and i think he would have made us go through like marriage counseling and i just totally would have failed it <laughs> like they'd be like you have to follow all the lutheran rules and like you're like i won't marry you if you keep having sex before marriage and i'm like if you're gonna be like in my business yeah you can't have this like so we had to come out to them so the whole coming out thing was like nothing was really exactly as planned um, it was just difficult because we came out to both of them at once. My mom was just me and her, and my sister and her husband was me and my husband slash fiance or whatever it was at the time. So it was the four of us together, and we were at a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and we we it, it was supposed to be that Sunday afternoon. We were supposed to like drive to their house. I think they're about three hours away from us. And then I just like completely chickened out and didn't go. And then she was upset, and so she's like, what is it that you're going to, like, you know, what is it that we're going to talk about? And so then I was at college, and then that Wednesday we went halfway between our college and her house, which was about a, an hour and a half. Like, on a school night, <laughs> it was just miserable. And we were at a restaurant, and the four of us were at a table, and then it was just, you know, the most uncomfortable dinner ever. And we're trying to tell this to them, and, and they... Uh, you kind of feel bad sometimes coming out because, like, I know what I'm about to say and I know what the conversation's going to turn into, but they just think that we're going to be, like, talking about, like, officiating the wedding and and having marriage counseling and, like, our our sins and our... <laughs> and I'm like, they don't... Like, I almost feel bad because they, they're not prepared to be mm -hmm. this bomb dropped on them and they're both just kind of like, holy crap, like, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is actually what we're here to talk about today, <laughs> but... So they, those were both really difficult. My other sister, she's, I feel like she's a little bit more progressive, but she is still part of the LCMS, but she took it more, she was okay. We had to um, FaceTime her because she is ridiculously far away. And my dad, I would, I, we're not like as close, but we're actually getting along much better. She, he is separated from my mom and the rest of the family's kind of far from him, but I'm actually getting closer to him along with my husband. We're like bonding over the rest of the family kind of being separated from the rest of us. Mm. But we hadn't told him yet, and I just was tired of coming out, and I hated doing it. So I was like, I don't really know when the right time would be, but we figured it was probably a good time because we had sent him our wedding invitation, and he was like, why isn't this at the church? And we're like, dang, we should probably tell him. So we actually just, um, we, I told him over dinner, at a restaurant and he was just like super cool with it it's actually kind of funny because he's like half deaf so he can't really hear me and we were at this restaurant so 
he was like, you're a what? You're an atheist? Like, really loud at this restaurant. And I'm like, yep, that's me. I'm, like, looking around at the other people. I'm like, hi there. <laughs> like, so, but he was really cool with it. And he was the only one who said to me, like, I'm glad that he's like, you know, I kind of wish that you had landed on a different answer. But I'm really glad that you didn't just accept what you were taught and that you questioned it. And I was like, I didn't expect anybody to say that to me. But I really appreciated it. That's probably why we've become closer is that he was cool with that so i i thought that was really neat so that was definitely my best experience was that last one cool thank you thank you for that answer rebecca mm-hmm. any final questions from you sarah no i think i've quizzed the poor poor lady here enough <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> you have, you've given a, a lot of information so it's been interesting to uh, to talk to you but so thanks for coming on thank you Sorry, excuse me, just clearing my throat. Um, yes, thank you for the back. On, on what you've just said, I think there's something deeply unhealthy about the, the message about sex that Christianity gives. You know, it, Chris, sex on the flip of uh, an afternoon celebration goes from the most horrible thing you can possibly to, do to, to the greatest thing you can possibly do. And, yeah. it, uh, and I think that just creates such a distortion in, in the value of, of sex uh, in, in the long term. I my my feeling is it's a really unhealthy and unhelpful uh, attitude towards sex and it and it needs to change and it needs to change quite urgently yeah not not to mention that the whole marriage thing in the in the olden days in Jesus's day was a contract wasn't it in terms of more or less a, an exchange of property women yeah. were just kind of not yeah. sold off but it was just and for some reason because they're in a patriarchal society the idea of virginity is important and so you know that gets transferred to today where we live longer we get married later it's just it's just completely um completely out of step with uh, with uh, with people you know if they got married at 16 in those days it was probably fine and they didn't burn with lust for, for yeah. years on end you know it's whereas so now unhealthy it's, exactly yeah. it's very unhealthy and yeah and it's uh, so when people go it's christian marriage it's like right okay you want to go back to transferring property rights of uh, yeah. uh from your father to some other bloke you know it's um that's really what that stood for it's it's not it's not relevant today so yeah. it's okay that we interpret it a different way but it does yeah. a lot of damage it does yeah uh, so yeah thank you it's been a pleasure sitting back and listening to to you two uh, talk away you've made a great uh, interviewer so thank you again for stepping in at the last minute Sarah I've really appreciated uh, right. your input on this episode um so finally then uh, Rebecca yes thanks to you for coming on and for uh, agreeing to uh, to my request to to come on uh how can people find you and contact you online uh yeah so I my main uh, where you can read my story or anything in more detail, um, especially like from the day I wrote it, you can see kind of where I came from, is my blog is thecuriousatheist.blog. Um, if you want to send me an email or anything, that's within the contact on the blog itself. That's just the easiest way to find that. Um, and I'm also on Twitter. It is at CuriousAtheist, and the O in Curious is a zero. So those are my two main contacts and places you can read my stuff uh, thank you and and any final thoughts from you uh rebecca not really today i'm uh writing my blog post right after this <laughs> <laughs> blog post for tomorrow um and and as i said earlier i i do enjoy reading your blog the regularity of of your your blog is is a good thing is an asset to it. it's probably why it's become as as widely read uh, uh, as it has Thank you. It's been a great conversation uh, with you. Any final thoughts from you, Sarah? 
No, I just um, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a good talk. I've enjoyed getting uh, to know you a little bit, and uh, hopefully we'll keep an eye on your blog, and maybe you'll mm-hmm. check out some of the uh, unbelievable stuff that Matthew and I are involved in a little bit, and uh, see us on the forums there. It, um, yeah, hope be good. Be great. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you'd enjoy it because you're yeah you're clearly a a clever cookie you've you've worked this out yourself and and got yourself out and uh, i think you'll enjoy some of the uh the the to and fro on the on the topics that they cover so uh definitely uh worth checking out one or two episodes anyway but yeah nice to talk to you anyway thank you You yeah thank you and um my final thoughts are if you're somebody out there listening to this and one of your children comes to you to tell you something that's uh, unexpected be like rebecca's dad uh please it's uh, it's clearly the the way to go about it everybody's uh, deconversion story is different uh, and uh, they're always uh, worth listening to has been my experience so far uh, and if you're pondering jumping into the world of telling your story go ahead and and do it the the graceful atheist that uh, uh, sarah mentioned earlier is running a series of um, of uh, deconversion stories with, with people um I haven't tried to steal one of his listeners in asking Rebecca here. I actually asked Rebecca before I'd actually got involved with the Graceful Atheist. So it just happened that way. That's the timing. Um, but this episode this episode will come out in about four weeks' time, I think, by the time I've got through it uh, in the backlog. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been a fabulous uh, conversation. And uh, until the next time, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.